Well, you guys can grab a seat. Well, good morning, church. And welcome to week two of a series that we're calling The Spirit-Filled Life. Come on. You know, um, this series is, is really based on this, this hope and this desire that we have that as a church, we might be people who are filled by God's Spirit. That essentially God has uh, another level of himself that God has something that he gave us access to that many of us have lived lives kind of just putting off to the side. Like we, we like to recognize God. We like to believe in Jesus. And, and, and often we think, well, that's enough. That's good enough. And, and we're missing out on this beautiful thing that God has given us access to, the Holy Spirit, God with us. And so through this series, it is our earnest hope and desire that, that you might start to live a spirit-filled life. That you won't just recognize the Father, you won't just believe in the Son, but you will start to rely on the Holy Spirit to let Him guide you, to let Him lead you, to let Him bring you into places you never expected. That when the Holy Spirit speaks, we will be people who listen and obey. That in any circumstance where we're worried or we're afraid, that we won't be people who turn to fear, but we'll turn to the Holy Spirit. We'll say, Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what happens. I trust you. So that is the goal of this series. It's to introduce you to who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And, and you know, as a church, um, we, one of our core values as a church for a long time has been that we are spirit-led. And that was a value that our last lead pastor, Martin, he, he instilled in the church many, many years ago. And uh, a couple months ago, we did a vision night where we were prayerfully considering and seeking God and about where he's leading the church, about what he's calling this church to be and what he's calling us to do. And I'll share more about that in about a month's time at our Vision Sunday. Um, but, but we were really looking, okay, these are our core values. Are they still true of this church today? And through that night, God made abundantly clear that the idea, the value that we are spirit-led is not only still true, but it is actually an integral part of who we are as a church. That in everything we do, in every aspect of our lives, our work, and our ministry, we will be seeking the Holy Spirit. We will be seeking God's voice. We will be seeking His wisdom and His direction that we will never make a decision without first consulting God. And so through this series, we, we've been looking at who the Holy Spirit is, how He is not a feeling, He is not a sensation you feel during worship, but, but the Holy Spirit is a He. He is a person. He has a personality, he has a character, he has goals and visions and dreams and aspirations. The Holy Spirit is a person, but not only that, but the Holy Spirit is also God. Now, if this confuses you, go listen back last week. We talked about the idea of Trinity for quite a while. Um, but to sum up, if you don't understand Trinity, it's this idea of there's one God, 
but God is three in one. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we as a church, we believe that God is our provider. The Father is our provider. The Son, Jesus, is our Savior. But the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper. And He is here with us. And if none of that makes sense, if the idea of God being three in one doesn't make sense, that's okay. I, I um, heard a quote from a guy named Mike Todd a couple weeks ago, and he put it this way. A God that is exhaustively understood by finite human beings is not a God that is glorious enough to be worshipped. Which is to say that if you fully understood how God worked and God operated, maybe you're not worshipping God. But God is so beyond our understanding that when we worship Him and when, when we praise Him and when we pray to Him and when we rely on Him and when we believe in Him, we're not going to fully understand why He does things the way He does things. We're not going to fully understand how He works. We can try, but we're not going to fully get it. But that's where faith comes in. We can say, God, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. How are you three in one? I don't get it but I still trust you. I still believe in you. And so we, we looked at, all that's to say, we looked at who the Holy Spirit is. How the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is God. And so this week I want to take a few minutes to start to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Like, we, we know that the Holy Spirit is God, and we know that the Holy Spirit is a person, but why does that matter? How does that affect me in my life, in my daily life? Why, why do, should I care about the Holy Spirit? So I want to start talking to you about what the Holy Spirit's role is on this earth, and, and, and I want to start by asking you a question. Who is your helper? Who is your helper when you're struggling and you don't know what decision to make? Who is your helper? When you're having stress in your marriage and you keep saying things to your wife that just tick her off and make her more upset and you don't know how to fix it, who, who is your helper? When you have to make a tough decision that's going to hurt people but you know it's right, who is your helper? Who is your Helper, and, and the reason I ask this is because if we don't consider who is our helper, then the world will happily just try and fill that space with things and people. Alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, friends, relationships, just going from person to person to person. All of these things can, we can use as a scapegoat to try and help us. And I'm not saying that people are bad. I'm just saying that the people you're relying on are just as flawed and broken as you are. So when life gets tough, who is your helper? You know, in John 14 through 16... Jesus is giving this long speech about, it's kind of his last words. It's like his last will and testament. He's about to go to the cross. Um, the, some scholars believe that Jesus was saying these words between 6 and 12 hours before he was arrested, beaten, and crucified. And, and so Jesus, as you can imagine, was, was likely trying to give his disciples everything they needed to know once he was no longer with them. And now, the author of John doesn't tell us what was going on in Jesus' mind at the time, but 
you can imagine that if you had six hours left to live, you would just be giving the most important things. You wouldn't be telling the person, oh, well, water my plants while I'm gone. You'd be like, okay, here's my bank account number, here's my Gmail password, here's how you get into this. Like, you give the most important information. Like, if, if you were learning to drive and a friend take, took you to the gateway parking lot and you were to teach you to drive, and, and then the friend, uh, he's like, gets out, you get out of the car, and he's like, okay, you can get into the driver's seat, and you get in, and, and then he gets a call. He's like, oh, I gotta go. Sorry, I, um, I don't want to waste your time. So that's the gas, that's the brake. Don't hit anything. It's the Coles notes. What, what is most important for you to carry on doing whatever you need to do? And so Jesus, in this speech, or in this teaching that he gives his disciples, he begins to give them some key things they need to know for when he no longer is with them. So he tells them things like, hey guys, I'm going to be leaving, and you're not going to see me any longer. I know it sucks, but I'm going to be going to a place, and where I go, I will prepare a home for you, and you know how to get there. And they're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't even know where you're going. And he's like, well, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he gives them instructions, and he reminds them, don't, don't forget the things I've commanded you. Don't forget to love one another. When life gets tough, don't forget I'm still in charge. Doesn't matter who persecutes you or hurts you, I'm still in charge. And, and in the midst of this speech, he begins to give them this knowledge about this person who is going to replace him. This person named the Holy Spirit who, when he's gone, he's going to send to them. And as you can imagine, the disciples weren't too happy about this. It's like if you, if you think, like, if you had a friend group in high school, and, or even now, and, and you've been hanging out for three years, you guys are really tight, and then the ringleader of your group is like, hey guys, I'm going to die, you're never going to see me again. But it's okay because Bill's going to fill in for me. Say hi to Bill. He's your new best friend. And they're like, what is going on, Jesus? But in these chapters, we find some of the most influential and descriptive um, ways of uh, explaining and understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. So in, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Now, this passage gives us a few key things about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. See, it tells us first the Holy Spirit is truth. Holy Spirit is truth, which is very important because what that means is that whatever the Holy Spirit tells you, it's got to be true. The Holy Spirit won't lie to you. He won't tell you fake things. He won't convince you uh, of things that are not true. The Holy Spirit is true, or is truth, so He is trustworthy which means when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we can 
trust him. We can take him at his word. And the second thing Jesus tells us is the Holy Spirit is with you. Holy Spirit's not some dude off at the distance, hundreds of kilometers away, who occasionally will call you up and be like, hey man, how are you doing? No, 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 the Holy Spirit is with you. He says he will abide with you and he will be in you. Now that word abide in the Greek, it literally means will remain. Like he's close. He's right there with you. And then Jesus says he will be in you. Now, if that confuses you, that's okay. And if you're wondering, okay, Jesus, do you not understand physics? Also okay. Because Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, he tells us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in us. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. It's this idea that God is not limited by the same limitations we are. God is not limited by time or space. So even though we can't physically be in the same place as someone else at the same time, God's not bound by that. So when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he is with us. It doesn't say he is with us some of the time and then he leaves. No, no, he will remain with you. Holy Spirit is God with you. And then Jesus goes on. John 14, verse 25. He says, I've said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So we know the Holy Spirit is truth, The Holy Spirit is with you, and the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He will teach us. He will guide us. In fact, Jesus carries on in in John 16. He tells us when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they did not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. And essentially what Jesus is saying here is, you know all that religious stuff that you hear from the synagogues and from the Jewish leaders and from the people you look up to? Yeah, that's all garbage. The Holy Spirit's going to come and tell you that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And he's going to teach you what is true. And he says, and Jesus carries on, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So Holy Spirit is truth, the Holy Spirit is with you, and the Holy Spirit is is our teacher. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I love that thought, that the Holy Spirit will take the things we misunderstand about God, and he'll teach us what is right. And what's really interesting is the word that is used there for teach, the Holy Spirit will teach you, is the exact same word that is used when Jesus taught. So it's talking on the same level as Jesus taught us, the Holy Spirit will also teach us. He will remind us what Jesus said. He will guide us into truth. And in a world where 
truth is often viewed as subjective and where different people have different perspectives of what is true. I love that. Because, you know, we kind of segregate ourselves and I believe this truth and you believe this truth and, ah, we're going to fight over it and that's fake news and that's true. And, and we think our perspective of what is true is actually true and the good news is the Holy Spirit doesn't pander in fake news. So when the Holy Spirit teaches us something, we can trust that it is true because the Holy Spirit is truth and He is our teacher. He will correct us when we believe the wrong things, and He will remind us of who Jesus is. He will remind us of who we are, how we are beloved children of God, how we have access to the riches of God's kingdom, how we are heirs of the King, that we have eternal significance. He will remind us of who Jesus is, and what he accomplished for us on the cross. Holy Spirit is truth. He is with you. And he is our teacher. Now that brings us to the fourth thing that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in this passage, which is, if you've been paying attention, you probably noticed this word a few times, and I've just been skipping over it. But Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. And he says that he uses this word four different times in these three chapters to describe the Holy Spirit. And now this word, if it doesn't mean anything to you, that's, that's understandable. It's not one that we tend to use in our modern society very much anymore. But it is a word that, that often gets used to talk about, like, politics. Like, I have an advocate fighting for me in, in the government. And it's like, okay, great. Or I am an advocate for loving people, and that's kind of our use case of it. But, and so we look at this word, and we kind of have a, a negative lens or, or the wrong lens when we look at it. But when we look at this word in the Greek, we see that this word, advocate, comes from the Greek word parakletos. No idea if I pronounced that right. The key to understanding and speaking Greek is just pretending. Um, parakletos. Now, this word is really complicated to translate into any one English word to the point that I, I looked through a bunch of different Bible translations to see how it's translated. If we could throw up the next slide. And we see in the NRSV, NLT, NIV, it's translated to advocate. And the ESV, NKJV, or NASB, the helper. The KJV or ASV, it's the comforter. In the CSB or WEB, that's the counselor. And then the translators of the Amplified Bible just gave up, and they're like, the helper slash comforter slash advocate slash intercessor slash counselor slash strengthener. It's the, the advocate. And like, I want to be clear, this isn't a bunch of random translations that have no importance. Like, three of these, the NRSV, NASB, and CSB, are like the gold standard translations for, for like scholarly study. And they each translate the word differently, and that just paints a picture of how complicated the word is. Because it's impossible to, to put it into any one English word. And so I found this quote from uh, an old theologian named Martin Vincent, and he explained it this way. 
He said, parakletos comes from the Greek word para, meaning to the side of, and kaleo, meaning to summon. Hence, originally, one who is called to another side to aid him. Typically, as an advocate in a court of justice. And so, typically, not always, but typically in the Greek world, this word was used to describe a defense attorney. Not in the sense of somebody you pay a lot of money to to defend you in court, but literally somebody who would come alongside, who knew your situation, who would help you, who would guide you, who would comfort you, who would advocate for you, who would fight on your behalf, somebody who would be there for you to help you in your time of need. The Bible tells us this is who the Holy Spirit is. He is your advocate. He is your helper. So when you're going through life and you, you're kind of lost and you don't know what direction to turn, well, the Holy Spirit is your helper. And He is there to help guide you. When you're going through life and, and you just feel broken and hurt and like you're a mistake, well, the Holy Spirit is there to help you to remind you you're not a mistake because God doesn't make mistakes. When you're going through life and, and you're just, you don't know what decision to make and everything's just piling up and you, you're, you're just stressed out of your mind, well, the Holy Spirit is your helper. He will guide you. He will show you what is true. He will help you make the right decision. When you're struggling with, with addiction or brokenness or pain and you're just like, ah, I got nothing. I can't break free. Well, the Holy Spirit is your helper. He'll convict you of sin. He'll show you where you're going wrong, and he'll help guide you into becoming more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is truth. He is with you. He is our teacher, but he's also our helper. Let me prove it to you. Romans 8 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with Him, so we may be glorified with Him. What this verse tells us is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He will lead us and remind us who we are. He will remind us when we're struggling, oh, no, 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 you're a child of God. Oh, I know, you, you, you feel like you just messed up the last time and God doesn't love you? No, 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 that's not true. You are a child of God. God loves you. Oh, you feel powerless? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't care how you feel because you have access to the riches of the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit is our helper. He reminds us of who we are. And then just a few verses later in Romans 8, he goes on. He says that the Holy Spirit, the likewise the Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. It's this picture of being in such turmoil that you don't even know what to pray. You're just, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, God. I'm stuck. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't worry. You might not know what to say. I got you. He's our helper. 
He helps us in our weakness, and He intercedes for us. And then if we go to the next one in Matthew 10, Jesus says to His disciples, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This isn't my message, but I love this line. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. If you're too much on either side, there's a problem. If you're too much like a serpent and you're wise, but you're also biting and hurting people, that's not good. But if you're too much like a dove and you're just like oblivious and allowing people to walk over, you're also not good. Be wise, but innocent. And he goes on, beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time, for it will not be you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Holy Spirit is our helper. In times when we're stuck and people are hurting us and persecuting us and ridiculing us for our faith, you might feel, ah, i got nothing to say. That's okay. Holy Spirit's got you. I was just reading this morning uh, in Acts 4 when the, some of the apostles are arrested for preaching the gospel, and the people are like, ah, why are you preaching the gospel? And it's like Peter, filled with the Spirit, began to speak, and he begins to preach to them. The Holy Spirit gave him words to say to the point that the people were like, well, these men have no right to be able to speak like this, but they're doing a really good job. What is going on? Holy Spirit is our helper. Then 1 Corinthians um, 6, I believe it is, and 2 Corinthians 3, it tells us, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of our God. That word sanctified means to be made holy. It's the idea that everything that you've done before that made you dirty or made you gross or made you feel awful, all of that has been washed. You have been made 100% pure. At salvation, this verse tells us that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It's a distinct moment where in God's eyes, when you believe in Christ, everything you did before, that's all gone. It's all been dealt with. It's all gone. You are pure. You are justified. You have, there's nothing against you. But then in 2 Corinthians 3, he says this, In all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Holy Spirit is our helper. When we believe in Jesus, we are made holy in a moment. We are sanctified in a moment, but that doesn't mean you're never going to do bad things. And so the Holy Spirit is going to work within you on this ongoing process so that you become more and more like Jesus. Holy Spirit is our helper. Then Acts 1, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit is our helper. 
Because through the Holy Spirit, we have access to the power of God. We have access to the gifts of the Spirit. We have access to miracles, to healing, to, to knowledge, to wisdom. Holy Spirit is our helper, and he will help equip us with every good work that we might accomplish the calling and mission God has put on our lives. Holy Spirit is our helper. Holy Spirit is truth. He is with us. He is our teacher. And he is our helper. He helps us by reminding us who we are. He helps us by interceding on our behalf when we are too weak to even try. He helps us uh, by giving us words to say when we're just at a loss and people are accusing us and ridiculing us because of our faith. He helps us by making us holy and more like more and more like Jesus, producing the fruit of the Spirit. And he helps us because he gives us access to power. The Holy Spirit is our helper. So when you don't know where to turn or what to do, it's okay. The Holy Spirit knows what you need to do. And he wants to help you. When you don't know what to say or how to deal with a difficult situation, that's okay. Holy Spirit knows what to say. He knows how to get you out of that situation. He knows how to address those problems. And he is your helper. When you don't know how to be obedient to God, and you feel God say, I want you to do this, and you're like, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. Because the Holy Spirit is your helper. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the knowledge. He will give you the power. He will help produce the good fruits of the Spirit in your life. He will make you more like Jesus. Holy Spirit is your helper. Now, I don't say any of this because... It's good in theory. But I say this because I know that this has been true in my life continually over the years. You know, the only reason that I am a pastor is because at the age of six, the Holy Spirit came to me in a dream and was like, I'm calling you into ministry. I was like, I don't want to be in ministry. I want to be a professional horseback rider because that's a thing. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 you're going into ministry. And then the only reason that, band, you guys can wait. They jumped the gun. The only reason that I'm in Edmonton, I grew up in Ontario, the only reason I'm in Edmonton is because in grade 10, I was trying to find a Bible college, and my mom brought me to a Bible college fair in, in Hamilton. Yes, that's a thing. Um, and the one tiny table from a Bible college that was not located in Ontario was Vanguard College here in Edmonton. And I walked up to the booth, not at all interested, and the Holy Spirit was like, there. That's where you're going. And I was like, really? Come on! There's 25 other schools there. The Holy Spirit's there. Then my first year in Bible college... I was searching for a church. I'd never heard of Gateway before. I'm in Edmonton. 
Holy Spirit's brought me to this place. I'm like, I, where, where am I supposed to go to church? And, and so I was part of this traveling youth band, and, and we're going from church to church to church to church to church. And at the end of the year, it was like, well, that was our last one. Good job, guys. I'm like, well, I didn't find a church. What am I supposed to do? And then it was like a week later, um, the leader of the band was like, oh, jokes. We just got one last booking. It's a guy named Drake Farmer at Gateway Alliance Church. Um, so we, we're going to go out and do that. And so I came here for the first time, and Holy Spirit's like, that's the church. And then I, c- I could go on. The only reason I became the youth pastor here is because God do- or, or the Holy Spirit got Drake promoted, and then he got the youth director at the time to step down right as I was graduating. And then the only reason I became the associate pastor here in 2020 was because God told Drake, yeah, I'm calling you to Beulah, that church that you told everyone you would never work at. Yeah, I'm calling you there. And then he told Martin, promote Darian, take a risk on him. Yeah, I know he's a young, immature youth pastor. Just take a risk on him. (laughs) And then two years later, God's Holy Spirit's like, oh, Martin, by the way, you're moving back to England. And somehow the Holy Spirit convinced the board to try out this untested, untrained, unqualified 27-year-old. Like, what, I, what I'm saying is as a 27-year-old with four years Bible college experience, four years youth pastor experience, and two years experience as, a, as an associate pastor, I am vastly unqualified for this job. Vastly unqualified for this job. I have no right to be on this stage on my own. I am not the most intelligent person in this room. I am not the most wise person in this room. I'm not the best leader in this room. I'm not the most spirit-filled person in this room. I would love to be, but I know I'm not. And I'm not saying that to belittle myself. I'm saying it because I don't really care. Because I know who's my helper. So when I need wisdom and I need truth and I need guidance on how to lead and I need words to say on a Sunday, I can just turn to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I've got nothing. But it's okay because you know everything. I can walk into situations and places and meet with people I have no right to meet because I know who is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper. So it doesn't matter if I look qualified in the eyes of the world. If I continue to rely on him, I can trust that he will make this work. Holy Spirit is my helper. And the question I want to ask you as we close is, is the Holy Spirit your helper? Is the Holy Spirit your helper? See, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, he will abide with you and he will be in you. We know the Holy Spirit is with us. He said that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he is our teacher. So we can trust him. But have you let him actually do anything in your life? See, many Christians, we... we, live our lives recognizing God the Father and believing in God the Son, Jesus, 
but never receiving the Holy Spirit. Like at salvation, we got the Holy Spirit, but we've left him bound and gagged in our basement, and we're like, oh God, I feel so alone. I feel so broken. What should I do? And the Holy Spirit's like, and he's like, just let me go. Let me give you help. Let me guide you. Let me lead you. Let me show you the truth. Let me help you. So is the Holy Spirit your helper? Do you let the Holy Spirit help you? Because if not, you're still saved. You're still going to heaven. All that's great. God has given you access to more than you can imagine here on this earth. See, you don't need to look forward to heaven and live life as if it's hell. You can rely on the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit your helper? Let's stand together. And I just want to invite, if you're here, if you are already relying on the Holy Spirit to be your helper, that's great. You can do this as well. But if you're here and you're like, ah, Darian, I've, I've, I've never realized the advantage that I have with the Holy Spirit. I've never realized the access to God that I have with the Holy Spirit. I've never realized that when I'm struggling and feeling alone and feeling lost and feeling afraid that I can just turn to the Holy Spirit, that he is here to help me. But if you're here and, and you want the Holy Spirit to be your helper, I want to invite you right now to put out your hands like this. This is a posture of receiving. The Holy Spirit is, also, is already your helper. Well, you're welcome to join in on this as well. But don't feel pressured if you don't want the Holy Spirit to help you. That's okay. See, the reality is God is a gentleman. He will never force anything on you. You have to be willing to let him in. So if you want the Holy Spirit to be your helper, I want you to repeat with me. Holy Spirit, I need you. Be my helper. I forsake all other sources of help. And I turn to you. Be my helper. Be my guide. Show me what is true. Teach me to be more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead me, help me, guide me, transform me. I trust you. Father God, I just lift up your people this morning. Lord, I thank you that you sent your spirit to be with us to be God with us, that your spirit speaks only words he hears from you. I thank you that he is our truth, that he is truth, that he is our teacher. Thank you that he is with us, and I thank you that you sent him to help us, to be our paracletos.
to be our advocate, to be our helper. God, I just pray this week as we face situations and problems and circumstances that we don't know how to overcome or things that conventional wisdom says, do this. God, that before we have to do anything, we will pause, we will listen, and we will obey. God, help us to be people who are spirit filled, not just that we've received the Spirit, but that we are constantly listening to the Spirit's voice and accessing the power and help that He gives us. Let us be people who, who no matter what, rely on You. Turn to Your voice, listen to You, and are obedient to You. God, we trust You. 